0: I knew that I was in a financial um, difficulty. My positives were not going to be as much as my negatives, but I knew I had to give. We could uh, afford pretty good toys in in a lot of places, but our decision has always been to put uh, God first in our finances. He has never let us down. Paying your full tithing. For us, I mean, I guess for anyone, it's like a big chunk of money that you, you look at it and you're like, oh, I could do so many other things with this money. If it's just this contentment, you're happy with what you have and everything is, has more flavor to it. I feel like the more we give, the more we want to give mm-hmm. and we get more and more excited as time goes on to give as much as we can. Good morning, welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Stevens Point and Appleton. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are, what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, Good to have you with us this morning, again, as well as those over at Stevens Point, Appleton. Good morning to you guys. It's a great day to be serving the Lord. Uh, I, however, am doing it with a head cold, which is, you know, colds are kind of odd things. They just, they don't kill you. They just make you miserable. It's like the only point of it is misery. Let us make you as miserable as possible. So I'm a little bit of a cloud because of all the cold drugs floating through my brain at this moment. If <clears throat> I seem like I'm spacing out, it's because actually I am spacing out. <laughs> Man, I was talking earlier, I felt like I kept repeating myself over and over. It's like on a merry-go-round, and I couldn't get off. <laughs> so see how, <laughs> how we do here. Um, we have a, uh, we're doing a, a short series here on the concept of tithing. Now, the word tithe, as an old English word, it means a tenth, uh, referencing 10%. Now, uh, we read last week, in general, if you missed last week's message, you really need to get it, or a lot of the stuff isn't going to make sense. But last week, we tried to make it very clear about how and why Christians should approach this concept. Again, if you didn't, you know, you can go online and listen to it, or... Get the CDs or something here at the, in the bookstore. Uh, over the other guys, you have to get it, uh, I think, just online. But uh, anyway, uh, we've read this last week. This is Genesis, the 14th chapter. It's the first book of the Bible. It goes way back. Now, this is Abraham, who at this point is still called Abram. And uh, he had gone to battle, and God had blessed him, and he was successful. And when he came back, he was greeted by this king, who was also a priest. His name was Melchizedek. We pick it up in verse 18. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything that he had taken. Now, this is the first time we see this concept of giving a tenth to Abram. the kingdom of God. Now this concept held up continuing through Genesis uh, until we finally get to uh, Moses. Now Moses took the concept and he codified it which means he put it into law. Uh, much of the Old Testament is under the law of Moses and it was literally the law of the land just like we have laws that we have to deal with. This, these were their laws and uh, they were very strict and uh, forceful and They had laws about everything under the sun. When you could work, when you couldn't work, uh, what you could eat, what you couldn't eat. Uh, It it went on and on. I mean, just bizarre, you know, how to cook food, how not to cook a goat. (laughs) One of the oddest ones is there's this law in the law of Moses that says, if two men are fighting and the wife of one of the guys jumps in and grabs the other guy by his gonads. <clears throat> what to do about that? And I'm thinking, really? First of all, is, that, is there that much gonad grabbing that you've got to have a law in the Bible about it? But I, there's all kinds of bizarre stuff and even grosser stuff than that that I will spare you. But anyway, this stuff just very, very strict and from our perspective, we consider rather, <laughs> rather oppressive, but it wasn't meant to be oppressive, it was just really strict, and they had rules about everything. Uh, so anyway, we get to the New Testament. Jesus comes, and I didn't come to, to uh, destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. And Christians, uh, after the, uh, Jesus rose from the dead, and the church started going, the, the original churches were all just Jewish, and they all still obeyed the law of Moses. And then non-Jews started becoming Christians, like us, and they had to make this big decision. That's one of the biggest fights in the New Testament is this argument about whether or not we still have to obey the law of Moses. Finally, they made a rule. No, we don't have to obey the law of Moses. Uh, We have to live by the law of love, which fulfills a lot of those things. But a lot of the technical stuff, thank God, uh, we don't have to do, all right? So now something changes when it gets to the New Testament where it's not so much about Uh, Rules written out in stone As it is God uh, God's principles written on our hearts And those principles guide us But it's not like the Old Testament law Where there's a rule about everything And in fact And we're going to read this in in a little bit here Toward the end uh, It actually creates a a fair amount of arguing Arguing among Christians And we tend to argue about these things Which is okay I mean we can debate stuff You don't think get all freaked out by it. But, uh, you know, because it doesn't really say exactly what you're supposed to do in a lot of stuff. There are things that are very, very clear. But in the New Testament, it's more now about taking the principles of God. And there's people, I think, that actually wish there was a, like, a law of Moses for, for New Testament Christians. Because those people just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. What not, because they don't want to think and they don't want to study. And it's really a lazy version of Christianity, quite frankly. Somebody say amen. All right. We're not going to sit down and write out the rules of your life for you. Use your brain. Read your Bibles. Grow in your faith. You'll be able to start being guided about what to do and what not to do. So anyway, after all this talk, we ask the question, well, are Christians now required to tithe as set out in the law of Moses? The answer is no. Uh, we're not really, we're not obligated to do anything from the law of Moses. So great, then we don't have to do any of that. Well, not necessarily, because this was something that existed before the law of Moses, which we went to great lengths last week to explain and point out in the New Testament how they even acknowledge that. So this is something that goes way back. This is from the beginning of beginning. This is about like this gold standard of if you're going to honor God, you give him a tenth of, of your life. Uh, so, <clears throat> Now, where I'm, I'm spacing out again. <laughs> okay, here I am. <laughs> so much of Christianity isn't about obligation now. It's about being directed. Now, for example, do Christians have to go to church? No. Should you go to church? Yes. Why? Because of the principles laid out in the New Testament. These principles talk about The power of fellowshipping with each other, loving each other, encouraging one another. The gifts of the Spirit where God shows up and uses people to do miracles in other people's lives. And I know there's a lot of people when they get to heaven are going to say, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? I asked you for this miracle. Why didn't you answer? And he said, man, I must have sent that answer three, four, five times. You know, those guys sitting next to you in church, but you weren't there. Amen. Amen. Okay. He's yelling at me. All right. So, but you know, you can't receive from God if you don't come to receive from God. But it's not obligatory. There's a difference between having to do it and should doing it. And that was my point. Uh, For example, do Christians have to say a certain amount of prayers? No. There's nothing in the New Testament that says exactly how many prayers you have to pray. And like in some religions, we gotta pray five times a day or this and that and everything's really structured. We don't have that. Now, does that mean you don't have to pray? Well, you should pray. Why? Because it's the only way you're going to get an answer to your prayers. And make no mistake, the number one reason people don't get answers to prayer is, quite frankly, they don't pray. They just don't pray. They groan, and they whine and complain. And they'll say something like, oh, God, help me, which isn't exactly deep prayer. Even heathens do that. Oh, God, help me. As soon as they see the red lights in the rearview mirror, oh, God, you know, they're They become very religious all of a sudden. That that isn't prayer. Okay? Do you have to pray? You don't have to pray. Should you pray? Absolutely, you should pray because we learn from this from the principles that are set out in the scriptures. Uh, Do Christians have. Pastor drops over dead. Um, Do Christians have to read the Bible? No. But should they read the Bible? Yes. Why? Because of the principles that are in the Scripture. It talks about how we grow in our faith. How we, the Bible says, we're supposed to desire the sincere milk of the Word so that we can grow from it. How many of you want more faith in your life? All right. Good. Good. I asked that another service, and like three hands went up. <clears throat> I don't know if they knew they were here. I thought this was free food here. I don't know what's going on. but uh... Yes, you want. That's why you're here. You want to grow in your faith. The Bible says faith comes from the Word of God. You want more faith? You've got to get this in your head. How do you do that? Well, having a Bible in your house is going to do you no good if you don't read it. Okay? It's not a good luck charm. <laughs> good luck charms. <sighs> anyway, so the question, question was asked, do Christians have to tithe? No. Should they? I think, yes, you should. Now, the question is now, If we're supposed to do this, if this is the standard, and clearly, again, we laid it out last week very clearly, this is the gold standard of of giving money to God. Uh, So the question is, well, 10% of what? And that's what I want to talk about. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to start at the most simplest part of this. Uh, There are people who, because of whatever situations in their life, literally have no money and they just barely exist from paycheck to paycheck, and even then they're not existing. Um, do I come and hammer those people to give 10% of their gross income? I do not. Again, you don't have to do any of this stuff, but it's a standard. So in a situation like this, what can you do? These are people who could give up their time, who could volunteer. That's their version of tithing. Come in and man the phone so we don't have to hire a secretary. There's stuff that you do uh, and, and can do Around the church, building all kinds of stuff Where you're just giving and volunteering and stuff Now, I have actually spoken against this in the past People who say, well, that's my tithe I come give my tithe I say, no, no, that's my tithe But, you know, I really regret that I did that I shouldn't have done that I know it discouraged some people Because to them, that is where they're at And quite frankly, I've been there Just where you just, again, barely breathe You know, you're just clawing out an existence on earth You know, you're so poor, you gotta look up to see how the poor people are living. I told my wife, don't worry, someday we'll be poor too, praise God, you know. But I mean, we're so bad, we're way below poor. I get it. Uh, Another way that people talk is they listen, pastor, I really am having a hard time. We barely can make it. I gotta do everything I can just to pay the rent and groceries, okay then what have you got left after that? Tithe off of that. You say, well, you're letting them off the hook. I'm not letting anybody, it's not about letting people off the hook. It's about encouraging people in their faith. you got to start somewhere. If you can't, if that's all it takes and that you barely can survive, then take what's left and tithe off of that. Uh, if you're in severe economic distress and stuff like that, no one around here is thinking you should get hammered and throw in your last $10 so you can't feed your kids' groceries this week. Nobody thinks in those kinds of terms at all. What we're asking you to do is trust God. Get this concept in your head. If your bare existence is just, you got to scratch it out just to get to a certain point, what you got left over, tithe off of that. And trust God that God will bless you from there. Because the point of all this is when you start giving, God will give back to you. And you'll be blessed even more. Okay? Uh, Then, uh, And and this is kind of a a bigger argument that people have, you know, net versus growth, particularly, you know, because of like taxes or something like that. Or, you know, you got child support and stuff like that. I have to understand these are major deals, especially like child support and stuff. Uh, You know, easily you could kick off 30% of your income. Boom, just like that. And it's really a struggle. And I think we'll pay that and then tithe off of what you have left. You say, well, that's not fair because they'd have to pay to. Not really. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why people get divorced. The cost alone is devastating. It costs you so much money. You know, if your kids were living at home with you, the same house you heat can heat one person or 12. It doesn't really matter. In fact, you got more, you can turn the heat down because there's more bodies running around. All right? There's a scale. When you have to start taking out of your ticket, to send off to somebody else to take care of them, that's very expensive. Uh, it's quite devastating. The, the, you know, in America, and you hear politicians talking all the time, and everybody talks about, you know, we want people to succeed economically, and everybody's always talking about the haves and the have nots. It's stunning, actually. You could almost take the same group of people and call them the people who've either never been married or divorced, and the people who've stayed married. It's almost the exact same group. It's stunning. Divorce is one of the single greatest creators of poverty in America. If you get divorced, and I know you get so mad you can't take him anymore because he has smelly underwear and he doesn't pick it up, I can't take it anymore. Okay, now some of you have serious, I get that, but some people are just over the dumbest stuff. You're just not happy. I'm not happy. And you get divorced. It's, you're virtually guaranteed that you, your children, and your grandchildren will live at or below the poverty level for the rest of their lives. You won't be able to scare people who got a whole lot of money. But I mean, it's just, you think just the economic cost alone people would stop, but they don't. And it really gets very, very complicated, and it sucks the life out of them. All right, well, trust God with what you have after that. No one's, first of all, we don't go and look in your bank accounts, see what you got, okay? Should we? No, we shouldn't. Uh, so, you know, tithe off of what, what you have, what you're able to take after that. Same with, like, with taxes. Now, that's a big debate that people have. You should, and in fact, even our own, I think, uh, financial programs that we have teach, tithe off the gross. Tithe off the gross. Before taxes. You should be tithing off the gross before taxes. Okay, fine. Um, But a lot of that has been taught over the last hundred years, especially in evangelical Christianity, because, by and large, evangelical Christians were very poor people and never paid much for taxes anyway. It's true. You know? Uh, And they always thought you were being a pinhead if you're trying to justify, well, you know, I paid 5% taxes. I'll just tithe off the gross. We'll also tithe off the gross. Now, there's people here today who still do that, regardless of their tax structure, but that's a good thing. And I'll explain to you a little bit more why. But if where you're at is just after taxes, then fine. A lot of people do it after taxes. Uh, This idea of growth before taxes only really works unless you're in a really high tax bracket. Then it really gets hard, because the government takes too much money. Somebody say amen. All right. Here's an example. I have friends in Europe. I was in Denmark a couple of years ago. These guys pay 70% of their income in taxes, 70%. Now let's use round numbers because I'm in a drug-induced cloud right now and I can't think. But... If you make $100,000 a year, which is pretty good jack, right? Okay, Most people here don't make quite $100,000 a year. But if you make $100,000 a year in Denmark, you're going to take home 30. Now, if I go over there and say, you're supposed to tithe off the gross, well, now they've got to write a check for another 10, which is now 30%, 33.3% of their take-home pay. Now they're about 20 grand. I mean, you just... <sighs> I cut people all kinds of slack on the tax thing, especially you start paying a lot of tax. Man, just tithe. I'll tell you what, the kingdom of God would be doing great if people would just tithe... Of almost any level. A lot of people don't any, do anything. But, you know, if it's just what, you, a lot of people just, whatever they bring home, after taxes, after all this stuff, whatever they get back into their hands, this is what they tithe off of and give back to God. And I think that's for most people, quite frankly. Okay? And by the way, speaking of Europe, when you see these guys, and they live in these little tiny, energy-efficient apartments, and, and they, you know, ride bicycles to work, and, you know, little po- mopeds, or these cars, they got to ride up with a rubber band, you know, stuff like that. It's not because it's not they're, oh, they're so sensitive about global warming and they want to be nice to you. Now, they live that way because they're broke. Hey, when the government takes 70% of everything you own, that's all you're going to live in is a little tiny flat with a wind up car. Or a moped, they're driving mopeds in Denmark. It's cold in Denmark. (laughs) Oh, we got to be more like the Europeans because they're so... Are you kidding? Those people are just broke, and they they still don't have enough money. The government still don't have enough money. They're on the verge of failing over there. Goodness gracious. So you start running around, you got to tithe off the gross, they're dead. They're dead. I think the most basic standard is whatever you take home, tithe off of that. Then you have people who do tithe off the gross. That's where they were raised. They've always thought that way. That's their act of faith. And uh, we got a lot of people in this church, not a lot, but several people in this church that tithe right off the gross. Doesn't matter. Just whatever they did, boom, before tax anything, And they give 10% of that back into the kingdom of God. say, well, how can they do that? Well, some of them started way at the bottom. I know what I was at the bottom. And then you do a little bit more, and then you do a little bit more, and a little bit more, you get to the point where you can do it off the gross because you're doing so well. And we're going to talk about this next week. I'm going to show you in the Bible. God absolutely promises that if you will do this, He will bless you financially. And the people who do this are better off financially. They'll tell you the testimonials are all over the place. They're actually better off financially after they did that then before they did it when they were keeping it all for themselves they would struggle and still and they started doing this by faith and God just started blessing them i know people who give way beyond the 10% of growth 20 30 40 there are some very rare individuals <clears throat> who their goal always was and they eventually reached was they would live off the 10% and they gave God the 90 and they do this how can they afford to do this cuz they got so much freaking money they're so successful. Let's face it. If you make $10 million a year and they give $9 million of it, well, then they got to struggle with just the million that's left. You know, and I, I know a lot of you would have a hard time with that. But you can see how they can do that. It, it just, everything changes. The bigger the... It just everything changes. These people, and some of them started way at the beginning. Well, all they could do was give their time and went and mowed the lawn at the church. And they just kept giving and giving and giving. God kept blessing them. They could start tithing off of more until they actually turn the thing upside down and it's a 90-10 deal. Not very many people do that, but there are a few and they're, they tend to be highly uh, wealthy people. <clears throat> but what a lot of people think is, well, if I had that kind of money, then I could tithe. But what they don't understand is the Bible doesn't say, pray that God will give you money so you can tithe. It says tithe off of what you have. I mean, I know a lot of y'all pray, Lord, give me more money so I can do this. But it's just not the way it works. I know when the lottery gets really high, a lot of y'all start praying. I know you tell me, you little sinners. You start praying. <laughs> and a lot of you tell me, oh, pastor, I, I'm just praying if I win that lottery, I'll give me another church. Oh, pastor, I just pray if I win that lottery. Oh, pastor, pray for me I'll win that lottery. So I give but that's not how it works. Well, God says, tithe off of what you got. Let's see what I'll do for your life. It's a little different. Now, here's the important thing as Christians. That we don't get on each other and criticize each other bitterly over how we handle this concept of tithing. Now, again, you just walk in randomly, throw 20 bucks in the offering, no matter how much money you make, that's not tithing. Okay, that's not really sacrificial giving. We're supposed to really put first the kingdom of God. We'll show you more about this next week and how these blessings work. But it actually works. It really does work. That's how people who do it can do it. Um, So when you start doing this, God starts blessing you. You start to succeed. Now, sometimes Christians start arguing about these things, but I want to look at Romans, the 14th chapter, in closing. uh, Because there's a great concept here in Christianity. Uh, Chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. You know what a disputable matter is? It's a matter you can dispute. Okay, and Christianity has tons of this in it because of the way our faith is designed. It's not a literal do this, don't do that, do, don't do, 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 don't. The Old Testament was now we walk by faith and we try to find off of the principles of God and some of us make different calls. There's some movies and stuff that some of you guys watch, some TV shows that you watch, you little heathens. God bless your peaking peeking heart. I don't know how you do it. Filthy, sexual, nasty, whatever. But you seem to do it, it doesn't bother you in the least. And you tell me, it doesn't bother me. Oh, I actually like the story. All right. But then there are shows that I watch that some of you wouldn't ever watch. And I think they're hilarious. Okay? And then some of you are real spiritually don't have TVs at all. You're the really holy people. Alright? I mean, that's just an example, and people will sometimes debate and fight those things. Some of this stuff's really clear to me. I'll yell at you once in a while about it, but these are disputable matters, okay? What are you going to do with this, and how are you going to do that, and how do you approach this, and these are disputable matters, and you're not supposed to be getting into big fights over people with it. Having said that, I think it's okay to challenge each other. We shouldn't be so sensitive that someone comes up to you and challenges you to do something and grow more in your faith. Well, they asked me if I gave off of my groceries. That's none of his business. just check your medication, for heaven's sakes. You know who cares? These are disputable matters. You don't have to be all in a huff because someone says something you didn't like. Okay. Now, one person's faith says allows them to eat anything, but another's, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. Now that makes no sense to us, but you have to remember the big deal to these people is what you could eat, what you couldn't eat. It was a major stinking deal. They fought over this. It was intense. It was so strong. And their consciences would be so seared that if they ate like a non-kosher cheeseburger, they'd fall away from their faith. The guilt would just overwhelm. I'm telling you, it's just, and the Bible talks about this. I can't even imagine, because we don't think we eat. We eat too much of what we eat. (laughs) All right? But it was a big stinking deal. And some people go, I know, I I only want to eat vegetables in case I eat meat. That's, you know, because you could eat meat, but they were so afraid of making a mistake, they'd only eat vegetables. So then if you'd eat meat, they'd kind of look at you and say, what, what are you doing? What, what if it's not exactly clean the way it should be? So, and see, they start arguing and, and debating about these things. Verse 3, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge somebody else's servant? In other words, shut up! To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand. For the Lord is able to make them stand. But when you see somebody like that, you're going, oh, you'll never stand. that will never. you can't possibly do it. You can't, This is not proper. You can't do it. Yeah, the Lord can make them stand. Shut up. All right? It's not your job to be figuring out everybody's details in their lives. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Others, another considers every day the same. Each of us, each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever, now we're not talking basic morality. In the New Testament, that's very, black and white, what you should and should not do. But a lot of these things just opens up to just debate. Uh, Where I was, six, whoever regards one day special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does to the Lord. For they give thanks to God. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord. (laughs) and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. (laughs) A lot of words there. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. And then he says, who then are you to, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? Why, why, why? Stop. For we shall all stand before God's judgment seat, which is the point. People say, well, if I don't have to do anything, I'm not going to do anything then. I ain't going to come to church. I ain't going to get no money. I ain't going to pray. I'm just going to eat bonbons and watch Gilligan Island for the rest of my life. Why should I worry about it? Because someday we will all stand before God, and we have to give an account. Do you really want to be? Because listen, we're all headed there. All of us. Nobody gets out of this deal alive. Well, you get out of here alive today. (laughs) They're going to kill us all. No, it's not a cult. Relax. All right, we're talking about this existence. We're all going to die at some point. We're all going to stand before God. Do you really want to stand before God after all this? And did you ever pray? No. You ever read the Bible? No. Did you give it any money? No. Really, you want to be in heaven, and every single dollar that ever came into your life, you hung on as tight as you could and socked it away just for you, 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 you. You really think that's what you want to be doing? you do not want to be doing those things. You want to be building into, Jesus said, you lay up for treasures in heaven by what you do here on earth. Your status in the next life, to a great degree, depends on what you do in this one. A lot of people, they don't care. They say, I just want to get there. Well, yeah, I guess options are getting there in hell. I'd vote for getting there too. but You don't want to just slide in. You want to do something. So because we are all gonna stand for it, that's why we should get concerned about any of this stuff. Even though there aren't heavy rules specifically laying out every single stinking thing that you should do, okay? Should we do these things? We should. Do you have to? Pastor, you say we have to. No, you don't have to do much of anything. But you want to. You wanna live by God's principles. You wanna have a successful life. You wanna be blessed financially. You want to get to that place in your life where giving is really easy. You don't even think about it anymore because you're doing so well. Because everything you touch succeeds and all the favor that you have. and God continues to bless. And we're going to talk about that next week. I'm going to show you in the scriptures how Jesus said, if you would do this, what he promised to do back for you. We'll take a look at that and we'll also listen some testimonials along those lines all right let's pray father we thank you for your word and for your truth lord i'm so grateful that our walk with you is not dictated by us having to keep a manual and following every single rule in life but that we can be led by your spirit and by knowing your principles know how to make the right decisions and guide our lives so that knowing that someday we'll stand and have to give an answer for how we live but lord this isn't about obligation and rules. This is about following your principles. And giving is a very strong principle laid out in your word. Help us to learn to be givers. Because if we would give, you promised that you would give us back and we would be blessed even in this life, beyond what we even think is possible. We thank you for all your gifts and kindness to you. all this comes from the grace of knowing you as our Savior. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said.